This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. Ben Mathis here. Folks, we've reached a resolution in the great slash versus backslash debate. You, the listeners, have spoken overwhelmingly in favor of me saying slash instead of backslash from now. As in, if you'd like to support the show, contribute to patreon.com slash kickassnews. And I hope you will, because we have a lot of expenses associated with the show, and we've just finished our 100th episode last week, and I'd like to get to 100 more. So if you want to become a part of what I'm doing here and help keep this show going, then go to patreon.com slash kickassnews. And now, enjoy the show. The Koch brothers have a very clear political agenda. It is an agenda, in my view, that would do great harm to our country. Why in God's name does Wall Street make huge campaign contributions? I guess just for the fun of it. They want to throw money around. And I give to everybody. When they call, I give. And you know what? When I need something from them, two years later, three years later, I call them. They are there for me. So and that's get? a broken system. So what would you get from Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi? Well, I'll tell you what. With Hillary Clinton, I said, be at my wedding, and she came to my wedding. You know why? She had no choice because I gave. We've heard it a million times during this election. Those evil political donors are buying off politicians and destroying American democracy. Well, my guest today is getting to the heart of the political donor class and what motivates them in her new documentary for HBO called Meet the Donors. She's Alexandra Pelosi. Yes, that's Pelosi as in, well, Pelosi Pelosi. After graduating from USC Film School, Alexandra spent 10 years working for NBC News, including 18 months during the 2000 presidential election, where she followed then-Governor George W. Bush on the campaign trail with her handheld camcorder. What resulted was a documentary for HBO called Journeys with George, which earned six Emmy nominations and put her on the map as a preeminent political and social documentarian. It also got her a production deal with HBO, under which she's continued to produce political documentaries like Diary of a Political Tourist, The Trials of Ted Haggard, Right America, Feeling Wronged, Some Voices from the Campaign Trail, Citizen USA, which addressed immigration, and Fall to Grace, about disgraced Governor Jim McGreevy. She's also authored a book called Sneaking into the Flying Circus, How the Media Turned Our Presidential Campaigns into Freak Shows, and last year she received acclaim for her film San Francisco 2.0, about the tech boom's impact on her hometown. Now in her latest film for HBO, Alexandra Pelosi is shining a light on the murky world of billionaire political donors and the system that fills candidates' campaign coffers. It's called Meet the Donors, and today Alexandra and I will talk about some of the biggest names in political fundraising, names like Soros and Koch, and other names you might not know. We'll discuss what she learned about their motives for spending all that money, We'll talk about the real impact of Citizens United, and she'll throw out some solutions to get money out of politics. Plus, we'll talk about one Soros who's actually campaigning to end big-dollar political fundraising, and I'll ask her what her mom, Nancy Pelosi, had to say about her efforts to turn off the spigot 
that funds hers and so many other politicians' campaigns. Coming up with filmmaker Alexandra Pelosi in just a moment. I'm talking with Emmy-nominated documentary filmmaker Alexandra Pelosi. She has a new documentary on HBO called Meet the Donors. Alexandra, thanks for joining me via Skype. So happy to be here. And this is my first time on Skype, so I hope I perform for you. Well, I'll just jump right into it. I love the movie. Thank you. Oh, my God, nobody ever says that. This is the funny thing about documentary filmmaking is that you only get people saying what they wanted. It's like they, they watch it and then they go, well, why didn't you talk about this? And why didn't you talk about that? Why didn't you? And it's always, no one's ever satisfied. They always want you to make the movie they thought that they were going to watch. Yeah. But they never make, it's never, they don't understand the concept of how difficult it is to get people to go on camera to talk about a subject like spending billions of dollars on the election. I'm just going to go ahead and first off, I'm going to deal with the elephant in the room and just get that out of the way. For anyone who doesn't know, your mom is, of course, Democratic leader in the House, Nancy Pelosi, who is no slouch at fundraising. Like most congressional leaders, she has a PAC that helps fund fellow Dems in Congress. What did she say when you told her your next film was going to tackle big money in politics? Well, anyone that has been to a Nancy Pelosi fundraiser will tell you that the first thing she says at every Nancy Pelosi fundraiser is, we have to get money out of politics. She's a big fan of disclosures. Now, this is the whole arms race conversation. This is the game. This is the playbook of running for office in America. There is a playbook. When you run for office in America, it's like a monopoly game. You have to take the stops around the board. Nobody's happy with it. Nobody likes the way the system is. But this is the game that they play. And they hold their nose, but they say, look, the Republicans raised this much money. We have to raise it, too. We're not just going to unilaterally disarm. So. Yeah. Some people say they embrace the irony of it. Some people could call it hypocrisy, however you want to look at it. But the way the Democrats look at it is this is the necessary evil. These are the tools we need to run. And we need to we need cash. We need cold, hard cash. So we got to go out and raise it just like the others. Nobody likes it, though. Although I would say nobody on the Republican side likes it either. It's a funny thing. Nobody likes the game the way it's played. But that's just the, you know, sort of sad reality of the democracy that we live in. We know so many of these names like Soros and Koch, all these big donors, but we don't really know anything about them. We think we do, but we don't. The media tries to portray them as almost a caricature or these boogeymen. And this is the first time that I can think of that someone put the donors front and center in an honest way and said, OK, let's hear your side of the story. Why are you doing this? What were you hoping to learn from these conversations with the top dollar donors in politics? Well, I would say this. People write $10 million checks just like that. Uh, I think for most people, they don't understand how rich these people are. To you know what Bernie Sanders called the billionaire class, when you hear about $10 million, you think that's astonishing. Why would they be trying to buy our democracy? And you can go from there. These people are so rich that... $10 million means nothing to them. So I was just trying to get the, you know, are you trying to get a law passed? I was trying to get the motivation. Yeah. Deep down, what's the motivation? I think a lot of it is vanity. 
I think a lot of it is I just want Hillary Clinton in my living room. I think a lot of it is to be somebody in America. You know, there's 100 families in America that do all of this contributing. And to be on that list means you are somebody. And it's part of making it in America. It's part of being, you know, what John Casamitidis calls peeing with the large dogs. You know, right. if you want to pee with the large dogs, you got to write a big check. These people give a lot of money to a lot of other causes, but we only focus on the political side because that's what we're interested in. But they would say, how come you never want to ask me about all the money I give to hospitals or the opera, or you're only fascinated with this political perspective that I have. <laughs> so I think they give a lot of money and it, I've always been fascinated by the motivation for why someone would write such a huge check. And I guess part of what I was surprised by was how little it is in the grand scheme of their lives. Nobody seemed to remember how big of a check they wrote. You know, I could go to Open Secrets and say, right. you gave $10 million to Hillary Clinton. Why? They didn't even seem to remember that they gave $10 million or that it was $20 million. They didn't seem to know the distinction. Yeah. So that's a fascinating, you know, sort of part of this whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, political donors at that level are notoriously private. You said that you reached out to the top 100 political donors in America, the ones who have donated more than anyone else. Out of that 100, how many no's and how many yeses did you get? I batted a complete 30%. I got okay. like 30 out of 100. Not bad. And I got such completely undiplomatic slam the door in your faces. That was <laughs> the fun. I mean, I got such hard nasty in writing kind of rejections that were surprising to me because I thought really? democracy belongs to us, right? Our candidates, this is who's going to be our president. Yeah. You just wrote a $2 million to Jeb Bush, you know, and you think he's going to be our president. So explain that to me. I thought because it had that, you know, it's a part of our election that they had some sort of obligation to come forward and explain it. Right. One of the sort of interesting twists of all of it is people say, I'm writing this check because I love America. It's my patriotic duty. And I'm doing this yeah. because I love America. And, but then, well, then why don't you come on camera and explain that? Most people I've talked to about this film are like, you had such amazing access. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I got so many doors slammed in my face. I'm surprised by how many people said no. Because if you're telling me sincerely that you're not in it for personal gain and you don't have any self-interest, why can't you go on camera to explain that to people? What's the yeah. shame in admitting you love America so much, right? I mean, right. If, I, if you believe them at face value that they're doing it, not because they want to get a law passed that's in their own self-interest, but they're just doing it because they love America. Well, then why wouldn't they go on camera? That was the letter I wrote 55 yeah. times to the Koch brothers. You know, <laughs> you say you're not in this for self-interested reasons. Well, then why won't you come and talk about your ideology and why you do this for ideological reasons? Because there's this clear distinction between ideological donors, which are the people who mm -hmm. just love America and do it because they love their country, and transactional donors, which are the lobbyists that every corporation in America hires all these lobbyists to write big checks right. so they can get laws passed in their interest. Well, these are the ideologues. I was only going after the ideologues. So you would think if people are drinking the Kool-Aid in this cult, which is we give to these campaigns because we love America, that they would be happy to come out and say, this is why I do what I do, because it's all in the good of our country. The thing that they always say is they say, oh, I'm writing a check. This is free speech. You know, me me opening up my bank account is me exercising my free speech. So it's, it is somewhat ironic that when you ask them to come on and uh, you give them a podium, that they would turn that down then. Thank you for pointing out my favorite irony of the whole thing. 
If it's your free speech, this is whole Citizens United. If Citizens United said it's your free speech right to give as much money as you want to a political candidate, if it's your free speech right that you're exercising by writing that $10 million check, why don't you want the microphone to share your worldview? That's the part I never understood. Yeah. Well, one of these donors that you talked to is a fellow named John Jordan, who's the owner of Jordan Vineyards up in Napa, who is anything but low-key. And he talked about the fundraising bunny trail, the handful of cities that every politician has to hit. What does that map look like? Is it different for Republicans and Democrats? Is there some overlap, I assume? It is absolutely the same roadmap. Whether people like this or not, it's a political reality that in America, there are 100 families that fund our elections. We turn down public finance, let's say Obama turn down public financing because everyone likes to always put it through their own ideological lens. They forget that it was Obama that turned down public financing. Remember, we had four clean elections, four good, clean, solid. You know, we got four good presidents. I mean, you can decide what kind of president they were, but we got four presidents from public financing. And then Obama said, I'm turning down the public financing and this is going to be a privately funded campaign. When that happened, billionaire class stepped in and said, "Okay, here you go. I'm going to open my checkbook for you. Every town has Every big city in America has a big name donor that funds either the Democrats or the Republicans. If you're a Democrat, you go to the Pritzkers. If you're the Republicans, you go to the Ricketts. There is a list of people, and it's no secret, it's on the FEC website. All you have to do is go to the Federal Elections Commission website or opensecrets.org, and they will list for you. Here they are. So if you're running for office, this is your guidebook. It, it gives their name and address. You go show up at their office, you get on your hands and knees, and you beg for money. That's the system that we have. And I'm sure these candidates now are going to turn down the public financing, and they're going to be doing the same thing. Hillary will be on her knees all across America begging for money from all of the billionaires that will be bankrolling her campaign, as will Donald Trump, who claimed he was going to sell fun, but now is right on the circuit in the tired old same old little, you know, it's, yep. I could, it's like, it's a simple little playbook that they're all following. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny for me, I've been to political fundraisers. I've, you know, given and bundled for candidates over the years. And that's been for me, the biggest thing that turned me off of ever wanting to run for office is the idea that I was going to have to go around and kiss ass to every guy who write me a thousand dollar check and listen to everyone's bullshit. Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. they wrote a $500 check or whatever. And just having, having to humor them, that would drive me out of my skull. <laughs> no, I get it. Well, if you think about it, that's really the sickness in our democracy. These are the best candidates money can buy. Everybody seems disillusioned. I don't know about your audience, but it seems like I live in Manhattan. I live in the most liberal bubble, and every people here are turned off. Both of the candidates are actually headquartered here, and people are completely turned off by this presidential election. Well, these are the two best candidates money could buy. And it's sad because who's going to run for office under these circumstances? How shamelessly you have to go and self-promote to the billionaire class. Who's going to want to do that? I mean, you have to think about the quality human being. I mean, you just said, you yourself, you have too much integrity to go get on your hands and knees for – John Jordan or whoever, it's something very degrading. And I don't think that a lot of people with integrity really want that 
this is who we got from the system that we created. About the donor end of it, the, you know, when watching this, they all seem to kind of be in denial because they keep telling you that they're only doing this because it's their patriotic duty. They don't want any favors. They have no influence. I think it was Haim Saban, the media mogul behind Power Rangers, who you asked him how much influence does he have? And he said, oh, between zero and negative two. They're all kind of dismissing it. Is this all just spin or do you think that they genuinely believe this? Well, first of all, Haim Saban is going to have Hillary in his house next week. So when we're talking about, you know, I'm, I'm getting nothing out of it, but I'm having all my friends over and the presidential nominee is going to be there. And I mean, I, I could go deep into the, what I think the motivations are, but maybe let's give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Let's just say it's vanity and they just want the candidate in their living room. Let's, let's leave it at that. If he runs a multi-million dollar company anyone beneath him calls the government for any reason, your calls will get answered if your boss is writing a $10 million check to Hillary Clinton. So let's not be, he may be Pollyannish and saying, oh, I'm just doing it because I love America, but it's good for his company. I mean, a lot <laughs> of people tried to make the case. It's bad for your business to be identified with a presidential candidate because that's a valid let's say, point i think let's take the pritzkers yeah. for example pritzker big name in democratic politics mm -hmm. so penny pritzker became the secretary of commerce right okay so she's the secretary of commerce no small thing from writing those checks okay i mean our ambassadorships for sale in america yes they are are you know big jobs in our government for sale of course they are but okay but let's get past that and say but the pritzkers are in the hotel business and they're in the Hyatt. They own the Hyatt hotels. So if the NRA wants to have a conference, they're not going to want to do it at a Pritzker hotel because Penny Pritzker is the secretary of commerce and they don't like the democratic worldview. So it could be hurting your business. Every person I spoke with tried to convince me that being in the political donations game was bad for their business. Now that's up to you to decide. There is no smoking gun. I challenge. I called every think tank in Washington that works on this issue. Go ahead. Prove to me that Haim Saban is getting this law passed because he wrote this check. There is no smoking gun. Now, when you're talking about the quid pro quo, you have to remember one thing. There are donors on both sides of every issue in the same party. Right. So you're going to have someone writing a million dollar check to Hillary saying, I want you to vote for TPB. And then you're going to have someone writing a million dollar check on the other side and said, I want you to be against TPP. There are donors on both sides in both parties. So writing the check gets you a hearing with the candidate. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to do what you say. It doesn't mean that writing a check gets you a law written that helps your company because someone's going to lobby on the other side of you. Right. And a great example of that is Boone Pickens, who was pretty candid, I thought, about his involvement when he said, he basically, he claimed that he got Bush reelected with the Swift Boat ads in 2004, but then he said he couldn't get legislation passed to help his natural gas initiative because he got outspent, or as he said, there was a higher bidder, <laughs> the Koch brothers. Now, it seems to me like it's a pretty risky game in this nuclear arms race of political influence if you can blow millions and millions of dollars and still end up empty-handed. <laughs> Absolutely. 
that's a very nice point. I'm glad you made it. And I'm really glad you watched the film <laughs> because most people don't really understand the nuances of it, that there are donors that write huge checks and don't get what they want. We're going to take a quick break right now, and then I'll be back to talk more with documentary filmmaker Alexandra Pelosi. Hey folks, do you like reading but find it's getting harder and harder to make time to curl up with a good book? Well, there's a solution. Give audiobooks a try. They're perfect for your commute to work or working out at the gym, a relaxing bath, or any time, really. And right now, you can take an audiobook for a spin with a special promotion just for our listeners from audible.com. Just go to audibletrial.com slash kickassnews to get a free 30-day trial and download any of Audible's 180,000 titles entirely for free. That's audibletrial.com slash kickassnews, or click on the sponsor link on our webpage to download the free audiobook of your choice. And now, back to more with documentary filmmaker Alexandra Pelosi. Even if there isn't a smoking gun, the one thing that I did find very telling is that time after time in these interviews with the big political donors, they said they don't say that they donated or that they spent money. They all talk about it in terms of making a quote-unquote investment in a candidate. Now, the very use of that word investment would imply that they expect some kind of return on that investment, would it not? (laughs) Absolutely. And who are we kidding? You and I both know that the day comes that they send someone from their company. Maybe they don't do it themselves, but that, I mean, these are corporations. They're doing business. There are a lot of government contracts. This is the American government is the largest employer in the country. There are times when you're going to need to call in a favor. You know who made that point most clearly for most Americans to understand and became very famous saying it? Donald Trump. He was the one that said, Before I was a candidate, I wrote these checks, and I never really said, I'm writing this check for this quid pro quo. One day, he would call in the favor. Maybe it's, I want Hillary Clinton to show up at my wedding. We don't know specifically. I mean, there's no proof that Hillary did something to get those checks, but it's just knowing that I have access to that person. I mean, I have no access to Hillary Clinton. I couldn't get her on the phone ever, but maybe if I wrote a million-dollar check— I do not believe that you could not get a hold of Hillary Clinton if you really wanted to. (laughs) Well, I'm not sure you want to, no offense. I mean, this election to me is just sickening because of the amount of money and Mm. the amount of... I was at the convention. The Democratic convention had so much money. The money, the lobbyists, the amount of money that's going into this election. And I'm saying this as a Democrat, so I always think that people... I told you, Manhattan liberal, they always like to say oh, isn't it disgusting, the Koch brothers and all the money they're pouring into our democracy? Well, you know, Democrats do it too. And it's important to point out the media hypocrisy in all of this because they've always demonized the Koch brothers. Right, Right. but but the the right also demonizes George Soros. You know, for every Koch brothers, there's a Soros, depending on which side you're on, you know. I always (laughs) feel like that the the Koch brothers get a lot more demonized because the New Yorker loves to focus on just the Koch brothers. But you can you can yeah. argue Soros has gotten away with a lot more for his, I mean, the amount of money he's put into the system. He's playing the same game the Koch brothers are playing. But somehow, if it's on the right 
side, I mean, on the side of good and we're on the side of the angels, it's okay. We can like hold our nose mm-hmm. and say, yeah, but he gave all this money because it helped Hillary. And she's, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't, right. I don't walk through those. I, that's a hard, I have a really hard time with that because I saw all the money at the convention and I'll tell you something, that money was not in Ohio. You did not see the kind of money in Ohio that you saw in Philadelphia. There was real money in Philadelphia because there's an opportunity here. The Clintons it was probably present. a better investment. I mean, yeah, if you're exactly. being smart with better your money, it's true. Yeah, there's a real investment in Philadelphia, and everyone knows. <laughs> you can write, who knows, the biggest check ever to Donald Trump, but he won't listen because he he doesn't listen to his own advisors and he won't listen to anyone. So right. I guess it doesn't pay off to write a check to Donald Trump. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, and he is the candidate who it seems he and Bernie, I guess, have put this front and center in 2016. Like you said, he loves to brag about how he's bought off politicians, and now he claims that he's the perfect person to fix corruption in Washington because of that. Does that logic make any sense to you? Well, only that he said he was going to self-fund and that he was not bought. Now he's on the circuit doing the exact hopping down the bunny trail that scavenger hunt, the monopoly board of American politics, where he's going around the bases and picking up the big old checks. He's just as bad as the rest of them. They're all just as bad. (laughs) I mean, there's no, there are no clean players in this except unelectable people that aren't worth talking about. I would say Trump in the primaries was somebody who could have, I could have maybe thought had, I had some faith in, I mean, if he really had, the money and he really did self-fund, then you'd say, well, he's not going to be owned and bought by these donors. But now he's doing exactly what they all do, getting on his hands and knees to kiss up to the donors. So yeah. neither one of the candidates that are on the ballot to be your president are going to have any credibility in terms of fixing it. One of the biggest ones that always gets me is like Hillary Clinton says, I'm going to overturn Citizens United. There was big money in politics before Citizens United, and there will be big money in politics even if Hillary Clinton gets elected and overturns Citizens United, they like to use Citizens United as like the boogeyman, you know, like, yes. oh, we have one case we can point to. It makes people feel good, like there's a solution. Everyone says to me, what's the solution? That's probably your next question. Okay, so how do we fix it? It's like a tire that has been patched and patched and patched and patched and patched, and there really isn't a way to fix it. But people like right. to say, we're going to fix it by overturning Citizens United. Easy fix. I'm going to vote for me. I'm going to overturn it, and we're all going to live happily ever after. Sadly, we are not all going to live happily ever after. And then the next point is like, okay, so do you want to pay for it? I mean, do you check that box on your tax returns to pay that $3? Maybe you're a better person than I am, but I don't because I think, why should I give $3? I could have a cup of coffee today. When Himes Bond's writing a $10 million check, what's my $3 going to buy? And I know the candidates are going to turn down the public financing. So it makes me wonder, where's that money going to go? If everyone's checking that oh, box and they question. want public financing, yeah. where's that money going? Yeah. I can't imagine there are that many people who would be that excited to just go to a public funding system and to check off that box if they don't have a choice of putting their money behind a particular candidate. I think most of the fun of it, I guess if you can call it fun, is being able to support the person, the guy or the woman that you like, that you want to actually get into office. Yeah, but if we're talking about the presidential, I don't think Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton need your three dollars. Probably I mean, not. <laughs> that what's surprising? You know, what's surprising. Did you read that they just Donald Trump just raised like sixty-four million dollars in small donations? Who is writing small donations to a billionaire? Yeah, that's remarkable. And I have no ill will, Donald Trump. I mean, don't kid yourself. Everyone loves to 
say that, you know, oh, he's so, and then fill in the blank because everybody has their own words for that. But when it comes to the presidential election, these two candidates do not need your $3. That I can tell you as a fact. Hillary Clinton does not need your $3. She's got plenty of bankers on Wall Street that are funding this election. And Donald Trump certainly doesn't need it. So save your $3, buy yourself a cup of coffee, and feel better about yourself tonight. Yeah, and one thing that uh, was interesting in this is you weren't able to get George Soros to come on camera, but you were able to get a Soros to come on camera. You talked to his son, Jonathan Soros, who is devoting himself to getting money out of politics. Is he just going through his rebellious phase, or what is that about for him? You know, you'd have to ask him. I haven't heard from him since the film aired. I, it's it's a very fine line he's walking. I don't know if his father's disowned him for showing up in my documentary. It's tricky. I, I think he knows, as a conscious, decent human being, that this democracy is being bought by the highest bidder. And he's just trying with his, I was going to say pennies, but then I'm like millions, <laughs> yeah, some big pennies. to try and fix it in the way, you know, the best way he can. He has an organization called Every Voice, and he's trying to do his part. And God bless him for that. Who knows, you know, in the great family dynamics, who knows anything about family dynamics, you know, how that yeah. plays out. But the irony of it is. He's still writing checks. Just in this election so far, in 2016, he's written, I think, $125,000 worth of contributions, plus, I think, a million dollars to Planned Parenthood's PAC. Is it not a little bit ironic, if not hypocritical, that they're preaching reform at the same time that they're continuing to write all these big checks? That is the million-dollar question. I mean, how do you make peace with this whole conversation. I mean, this is what the Democrats say. I'm just telling you what they say. I'm not really, it's, it's hard to editorialize this subject. <laughs> Their basic point is the only way we can change the system is by getting people elected who will change the system. And the only way you can get anyone elected is by raising money to give them the ammunition they need to fight in a campaign battle. You can call it embracing the irony. You can call it hypocrisy. It's just this reform movement is just trying to make their contribution to the conversation. It, it's a tricky one, though. I, you know, I, I'm like you. I'm trying to make peace with the whole thing. I don't know. I mean, I go to these fundraisers, and I hear these speeches, and they all say we need to reduce the role of money in politics, and I agree with that. But then why am I standing at a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> multi-million dollar fundraiser and like out by the pool in Hollywood at J.J. Abrams' house. Okay, fine. Right. I mean, but, you know, I'm sure they're not saying that at Donald Trump rallies. Yeah. I well. don't know. Maybe they are. <laughs> it's it's hard. It's a complicated, it's it's a much deeper conversation than we, you know, that I, I'm not equipped to have that conversation because I'm not in the reform movement. But there is a whole movement of people that are saying we need to reduce the role of money in politics. And if you call them naive or if you call them hypocrites, they will, they'll at least say, you know, we're trying here. What are you doing? You know, this is the best. They right. have the money. God bless them. They're putting their money where their mouth Fair is. Enough. I don't know. I don't know how to make sense. I don't have any answers for you. Yeah. I mean, it was fun to watch some of these guys try to justify it or try to rationalize it, though. You had Jeffrey Kotzenberg on, uh, the head of DreamWorks, who is a big, big donor fundraiser on the left. 
And he was saying he hates it. It's horrible. It's undermining our democracy. And yet this is the same Jeffrey Kotzenberg who hosted a $15 million fundraiser for Hillary Clinton in April. Go figure. But it's horrible, and he hates it, the system. Oh, God. I, feel like, I, I think I just threw up in my mouth. Oh, I don't know what to tell you about yeah. Jeffrey Katzenberg. I, I, it is one of those, you know, I think nobody, you know what? Ironically, I think the one thing that every big donor would agree on is they wish they didn't have to write these checks. Republicans and Democrats don't like being hit up for money all the time. They all complain about how the candidates call them morning, noon, and night, and they are tired of being hit up for money. It, you know, I'm sure if you're really rich, you get tired of people coming to you on their hands and knees begging for money. When you right. know deep down, you know, you just gave them a million, now they're asking for a million more. I mean, I'm sure it's not, you know, I wish I had these problems. <laughs> these are problems I wish one day to have. I'm sure I'll never have them, but I'm just saying it's like these are probably who knows. Yeah. If you look at almost anywhere else in the world, and some people make this argument, whether it's Latin America, Africa, India, China, even parts of Europe, bribery and corruption is systemic in most of those countries in ways that we probably cannot even fathom from top to bottom. When you put it in that perspective, some would say, isn't America actually doing pretty well? Oh, God, I thought you were going the other direction. I was going to say, aren't <laughs> we just like Venezuela now? I mean, it's getting I to me. Not. I'm feeling really dark about the whole thing right now because, yeah. you know, when you look at America in the grand scheme, this is the great almighty democracy. And you're supposed to say that with tears running down your face. You're so full of pride of this great democracy that our founding fathers, blah, blah, blah. And all I'm saying is, I don't think our founding fathers had Haim Saban and his $10 million check written into their grand scheme for this almighty democracy that they were planning, especially with like the dynasty factor coming in. Like everyone's starting mm -hmm. to think, okay, it's inevitable. Hillary's going to win. I'm sure the day Hillary Clinton gets sworn in, it'll be the greatest moment for all women in America. I will have a deep, sad, sick pit in my heart thinking about the dynasty and the billions of dollars that went into it and the whole it does feel like a third world country. It's starting to slowly smell so suspiciously yeah. like the dark, you know, the who bankrolled you, the lobbyists, the banks, the, you yeah. know, so. But isn't there some silver lining? I guess some people would say in the 2016 presidential primary, one of the Republican candidates who was most poorly funded spent nearly the least beat the guy who spent $100 million, Jeb Bush. And to a lesser extent, you could say the same thing about Bernie Sanders on the left. Didn't raise a lot of money, wasn't one of these guys who courted big donors, and yet he lasted well into the primary against Hillary Clinton, who was supposed to be unbeatable. Is there something to that argument that maybe this is evidence that money doesn't mean as much as we thought? That keeps me up at night, that question. Because Jeb Bush, yeah, nobody liked him. You can't force people to buy a product they don't want Yeah. on the one hand. On the other hand, Bernie. God, I voted for Bernie. I'm a big Bernie person. I, you know, it broke my heart when that all fell apart. But he had a lot of real donations too. And he did have a lot of nice liberal big donors behind him. He didn't advertise that. He advertised the $27, but he right. had some nice high society people. I went to fundraisers with people that loved Bernie, or maybe let's say they didn't love Clinton. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so 
it's hard. This is not the year to look at it. I, I just made a movie about money and politics, and I'm saying this is not the year to look at money and politics. <laughs> so I guess I'm undermining my own whole purpose in life. But this is such an odd year. You have a reality television star who got so much free media. You can't argue right. that he won because he didn't have any money because he was a reality television star, and he right. got so much free media that any yeah, other candidate on earth would have had money. to pay for. Yeah. Well, can you talk about what's up next for you? I'm going back to the basics because the, the future looks so dark to me that I have to go back to, I'm going back 230, 40 years to the Constitution, Declaration of Independence and Bill of Rights because what I oh. learned from Hamilton is that people do need some kind of education uh, and there's an educational way to do it, like Schoolhouse Rock, about okay, what was the Constitution? What was the Bill of Rights? What was the Declaration of Independence? I find that, you know, sure, I have young kids and, you know, they're in middle school. They don't know anything about this stuff. And you think, how do you not know this? And then you ask, you complain to your grown-up friends about how they don't know anything about it. And they're like, yeah, I don't know what that is either. So I feel like the way we ended up where we are today is by not knowing anything about the past. So yeah. I'm actually doing a show about these founding documents. That's my script. Oh, great. I'm doing a sort of a, a, you know, a revamp of like, let's explain this. It may not be the most entertaining, but it will have some educational component because I do feel like the one thing that's missing in all television today is any kind of education. So I'm trying to yeah. go back to the, the founding documents, the words that built America to try and explain those to people. So coming next 4th of July. Awesome. Yeah. And you know, if there's one thing that I've taken away from this election so far, it's that there are a lot of adults out there who think they know the Constitution, but really don't. They really have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, so. that's a that's a very profound. I mean, it sounds a simple thing to say, but it's so profound. Why do so many people open their mouth when they really don't have any idea what they're talking about? Yeah. Well, this film is called Meet the Donors, and if you have HBO On Demand, you can watch it or watch it anytime on HBO Now or HBO Go. Alexandra Pelosi, thanks so much for talking with me. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And now we'll both go get drunk and try and drown our sorrows. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. All right. Thanks so much, Alexandra. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I really love talking to you. If you enjoyed my conversation with Alexandra Pelosi, I'd encourage you to watch her new documentary on HBO called Meet the Donors. You can watch it on demand if you have HBO or view it anytime you want with a subscription to HBO Go or HBO Now. You can also keep up with Alexandra Pelosi at alexandrapelosi.com. Be sure to subscribe to Kick-Ass News on iTunes and leave us a review while you're there. You can visit Kick-Ass News on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at at KAPolitics. And please be sure to recommend Kick-Ass News to your friends on your social media. And if you really want to help out, then donate to our GoFundMe campaign at gofundme.com slash kickassnews. Or make a recurring donation at patreon.com slash kickassnews. And as always, I welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at comments at kickassnewspodcast.com. For now, though, I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kick-Ass News.
Psychic Ass News is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.